Welcome to the Rolling Stones Studs, podcast about the baddest boys of the British invasion, hosted by your bad boys, it's Pete and PJ, a Beach Boys Boys production. That's right, it is indeed a Beach Boys Boys production. Inarguably a Beach Boys Boys production. If you tried to argue it, you'd be wrong because it's inarguable. And yeah, who who knows who knows the Beach Boys Boys uh, stable of podcasts better than Peter and I? Nobody. No, that's true. There's a lot of people claiming to be us out there on the internet who want to take over our empire, but to them we say, no. "Go fuck yourself." Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, or that. Yeah. We should really start an LLC. See if we can. We should see if we can actually copyright the Beach Boys. Boys, I think probably not. Yeah, it seems like it's probably too similar. Yeah. Also, that probably costs money of some kind. <laughs> that is a good point. Seems like a lot of yeah, yeah, a lot of effort. But it's not a terrible idea. It'd Rolling Stone studs now. That's pretty. That's, that's far pretty gone. new stuff. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I think we could definitely get that. I think so too. How you doing, Pete? I am doing well, PJ. Feeling feeling good this week. Good. Why yeah. why why are you feeling good? Uh, cause we had good music to listen to, man. Uh, I'll second That's why that, friend. I yeah, I would say generally for this podcast, <laughs> the quality of the music we're talking about on the episode directly dictates my mood level coming into the episode of the podcast. Right. Yeah, That's there were some yeah. rough Beach Boys episodes. There were some rough Beach Boys Boys episodes. I mean, sometimes it's so bad that it's kind of funny and you get yeah. excited that way. But when it's just bad and sad, then, you know. That's why we never did That's Why God Made the Radio. Because it would have just been... Yeah. It would have been too sad. It would have been the last episode and everybody would have just been so bummed. Yeah, that's true. I think we went out on a better note. I think so, too. A higher note. Yeah. For sure. One of those notes that only Mike Love could hit. Exactly. Yeah. A high C. How do you think think Mike Love's feeling these days about his president? Um, I heard that he was the guy dressed as a Viking at the Capitol. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. It was crazy. I was I was looking through those photos, just looking for a Beach Boy man. Yeah, you gotta have we either Mike or Bruce one. there for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, Mike, Bruce, or John Stamos, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wouldn't surprise. You know, PJ, a lot of people in Hollywood, Republicans. I've heard that. It's the, I know. It, it's I don't want to say it because it's like it's a little edgy to point out, but a lot of those celebrities. Actually, Republicans, man. That's, yeah, I mean, I've heard that conservatives control the industry. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. See, I've heard mostly from people like Mike Love that yeah. <laughs> being a conservative leaves you on the outside of the industry. So it's tough, man. I don't know which way to go on that one. See, I've never heard that, but you know, okay. you've got your your John Voights, your sure. um, yep. probably Gary Busey's. Um, oh, yeah, that seems right. Your Tim Allens. Those are Ugh. the three biggest players in the industry right now. Boy, do you. Yeah, they're just sitting in a room in the back room of a steakhouse somewhere, mass off, deciding oh, yeah. the fate of the next 30 years of television, PJ. Yeah. And, which, and movies. Yeah, which is surprising that Tim Allen cancels his own show like three times. Well, it's because they're creating 
they're victimizing themselves to then yeah. build up hype around the next Tim Allen project because then the next Tim Allen project he can be like I'm back baby I can't stay canceled forever the Santa Claus so, four yeah honestly I'm surprised that hasn't gotten picked up by <laughs> any streaming service yet seems I think, obvious I think they just ran out of puns yeah yeah I mean but that title pun is good enough. I think you, true, you, but you'd they, figure it out. As long as you start with that title, you'd figure it out as you go. They, they would always do uh, the b- base pun and then another yes. pun. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think what if Santa Claus 4 was reuniting the gang from Home Improvement and Tim Allen in Home Improvement becomes Santa Claus? That would be amazing. Honestly, I would watch that movie. I don't really care <laughs> what hey, else was going on. You know what you'd say instead of ho, ho, ho? Yeah, ho, what's ho, that? Ho, 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, Legitimately, I want, I want that to happen so bad. I'd That'd be pretty that. good. As a kid who watched, let's say, way too much Home Improvement growing up. Yeah. Uh, and way too much Santa Claus. As a kid who was an unabashed fan of Tim Allen, <laughs> I would it is weird kind that he, of enjoy that movie. And Toy Story, man. Yeah, for real. He was on a rocket ship to Mars. I don't know what that means, but he was killing it in the 90s, especially in my household to yeah. oh, for young sure. boys aged like 14, 13. Yeah. Maybe younger. I don't know how old I was, to be honest. That's so. fair. Thinking about it, going back mm-hmm. to the Santa Claus movies, yeah, for the second and third installments of those films, it is yeah. just the same pun twice because it's the Santa Claus, and I believe the the second one is Santa Claus, the Mrs. Claus. So it just uses the Claus pun again, and then oh. the third one is the Escape Claus. Mm, which is yes, the Escape Claus, which is a really great title, to be honest with you. It's yeah. like it's up there with. Um, Sister Act 2 Back in the Habit Yeah Yeah, it really is Escape Clause Um, You know The real unsung hero of the Santa Claus movie Judge Reinhold I gotta say Exactly yeah Yeah. And here we are weeks after Christmas By the way and I cannot get it off my brain How much I love the Santa Claus movies Yeah Uh, Let's see Oh shot in Toronto Okay that's not what I was looking for I wanted to find the rest of the movies. So Santa Claus 2 just says Santa Claus 2. Is it just the Santa Claus 2? Okay, I just remember. But it was about his wife becoming Mrs. Claus, right? The Mrs. Claus. Well, he had to find a wife or a Mrs. Claus or else he would no longer be Santa. Because he was divorced or whatever in the first one. Yeah, and he marries uh, his kid's principal, who I believe was Jewish, maybe? (laughs) That's fantastic. Let's see. Principal Carol Newman, played by Elizabeth Mitchell. Yeah. Good old wow, Lizzie Judge Mitch. Reinhold shows up in the second one, too. I think he's in all is of them. He, yeah, is he in all three? I got to see this shit. I mean, what else is he going to be doing? That's true. You know, it blew my mind when I like went to college or whatever and started learning more about the wider world that Judge yeah. Reinhold was at any point an actual movie star <laughs> because yeah. I, I think I had only seen him in the Santa Claus movies and was like, he's fine. But who cares? Let's think of things I know him from. The Santa Claus movies. Um, Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, oh, okay. That bit part on Arrested Development where it's a uh, yes. mock child trial with Judge Reinhold. Um, mm-hmm. And that is it. Those are the three. Yeah. 
Judge Reinhold, little known fact, actually, um, drums in a Rolling Stones cover band. Oh. What's it yeah. called? The Reinhold Stones? Yeah. I was leaning judge, and I yeah. couldn't think of shit. <laughs> I can't get no juries to go in my favor. <laughs> See, and I saved it. Now we gotta leave it in. <laughs> yeah. You know, PJ, you... I got a I got a bone to pick with you as the uh editor of this podcast, by the way. Go ahead and pick this. This is a bone. little intra podcast beef. Yeah. Um you leave far too much shit in this podcast that I I specifically say, let's take this out later. Yeah. <laughs> and it gives you no greater pleasure than to leave that awkward five minutes of me searching for a word or whatever <laughs> into the podcast. Thanks a lot. I was really yeah. happy in um, a recent episode. You did actually cut out a long break of me searching through my iTunes for a song I was thinking of. Yeah. Which I, it made me sound really smart <laughs> in the edited version when about 10 seconds after I said, oh yeah, this sounds like another song, I pulled up the actual song. Yeah. So there was I appreciated 15 minutes that. of you searching for a long, yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't good. If we release, I mean, usually it's pretty unedited, I do have to say, but I think there's certain episodes mm. where if we release the unedited mm. versions. I would not say it's mostly unedited. Okay. How would you put it? I cut about 20 minutes of us talking out of each episode. Wow. Yeah. You just don't remember the conversation. Yeah, I just have a terrible memory for these episodes because when I listen back to them occasionally, then I like I, I never realize that yeah. stuff's gone. But Yeah, it's mostly stuff. I mean, like, there's definitely at least 20 minutes that doesn't need to be here, but. <laughs> yeah. It, I only leave stuff in that maybe shouldn't be in if there's a joke at the end of it that would not pay off unless you... Uh, yeah. Listened in. Like, for, I can't yeah. get no juries to go my way. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now we have to and keep I'll that just, whole judgment. Yeah, and now I in. keep dropping it throughout the yeah. episode so that we can. Just making sure it, we cannot cut it. Yeah. 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 It's weird. That's this great. week they just went straight into the track by track. Yeah, that would be kind of funny to release. Or we could just really freak people out by doing a track by track first, which oh, we did man. on one Beach Boys Boys episode. And yeah. that was so weird. Even recording it felt weird. Did we do a track by track first, or did we just have that playing as we were talking because we didn't like the album? Well, for our live albums episode, we basically just talked over both live al- live albums That's the entire right. time. But was, I'm was... almost positive early in the Beach Boys, we did a track by track at the very beginning of the episode because then we are ending by talking about, like, I think it was the episode around when we talked a lot about Denny and ended with Denny's death and stuff. I feel like whatever album oh, came out okay. around then, we did the track by track first and then got into Denny's life. That's weird. But hmm. yeah, it is a little weird. I mean, we could do it today. You want to just jump into a track by track? <laughs> Not at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. It works best at the end because then at that point, you exactly. just kind of press that forward 30 seconds until we're done and then, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um. My whole thing is that uh, we got to stick to the script, Peter. It says dick around for 45 minutes, talk about yeah, what's going on in their least. lives, and yeah. then talk about what's going on in their wives, and then do the track by track. That's a good point. Um, I see, PJ, you like to stick to the script. 
Yeah. I really am more of a guy who likes to flip the script. And that's what I bring to every meeting in Hollywood when I go and pitch is I walk in and I say, you do are you know? A, you are a proud Trump supporter, as we all know. Sure. Yeah. And it gets me far in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, let's not say that this week. How about just this week <laughs> of all weeks? This will come out far past the events, <laughs> the recent yeah. events that we're referencing. But I'm going to go ahead. Joke, all jokes aside. Fuck that guy. Um, Peter is a domestic terrorist. And okay. Um, God, now you got me. Not even, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I go in. I say, okay. Do you remember the Santa Claus classic movie? Tim Allen, Judge Reinhold, and the rest. Now, everyone knows this concept. Let's flip the script. Bam. Boom. And then they buy it in the room usually. Yeah. And flipping yeah. the script is just doing everything backwards, right? So he becomes not Santa Claus. You know what? That is what happens in the third one. They literally flip the script. Yeah. That's mm. how I pitched the third Santa Claus, Santa Claus 3, the escape clause. Genius. You won't see my name on any of the credits because I sold it really early where yeah. I just got my $10 million and got out uh, before yeah. it was really even in production. But um, yeah, I was responsible for the escape clause. Yeah. You also used a pseudonym for bits of your career. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Tim Allen. Yeah. Yeah, Tim Allen, the actor, is different than Tim Allen, the executive producer on that movie. So it's it's confusing, but people just think it's the same. Right, yes, it is. They don't, it's not like um, on like a, a football team or whatever when they, they put the first initial on their jerseys in case there's two people with the same last name. Yeah. Once in a movie credits, when you're putting their entire name, there's no way to tell if there's two Tim Allens, you can't say Tim Allen parentheses, not the other Tim Allen yeah. in a movie credit. That yeah. would look insane. Well, especially. So instead n- I just get credited for stuff yeah. and then people think it's other Tim Allen. Yeah. Let's talk so. about some other stuff. You've been the executive producer on. Yeah, sure. Last man standing. Last man standing. Of course. Hit yeah. show. Yeah. I assume I was involved in the Connors somehow. Yeah. I don't <laughs> I just, it just seems right. Yeah. I would have been an EP there. You just do so many meetings, you lose track. Yeah, I don't know. Seems right. PJ. Peter. There's a lot going on with the Rolling Stones these days. Are there? Are there a lot going on with the Rolling Stones these days? I mean, not in 2021, but... I was going to say, they've been pretty It's, you know, the good thing about doing this show in a year such as 2020, and now Mm -hmm. what 2021 is shaping up to be... Is that you kind of get to spend at least part of your week imagining you're living in the beautiful glory days of the 1960s when there was no civil unrest, no political right. disagreement, no. no racism, no None. extreme factions vying for control of the country. No. Um, you just get to pretend you're in the golden age of rock and roll with hot babes and Pan Am Airlines, baby. Oh, God. Yeah. My dick just got hard when you said Pan the Am Airlines. The sexiest airline company ever. It's insane. Pan American? Yes, please. I know, right? Well, they were really playing on, you know, pansexual, am I right? I think so, too. And yeah. I believe they serve personal pan pizzas. Yeah. It was a whole it was a whole thing on that airplane, man. Yeah. Have you seen the inside of like old Pan Am planes? Uh there's Have a guy I? who has an exact replica of one. And it had an upstairs that had a bar. Uh, for like international flights? 
I think for any flights. That's insane. I've seen in a movie once a uh, mm-hmm. two level plane, but it was a uh, like an international, whatever you know, Boeing airliner kind of thing. Was I think it was that plane? movie Red Eye with Jodie Foster where she stabbed someone with her high heel. Ah. Um, I'm pretty sure the plane they're on in that movie has a bar in it at some point, and there it is two levels. Yeah. What is your favorite uh, plane based movie? I can think of maybe six, and I would like to know your favorite. Okay. Yeah. Um, You've got Red Eye. Mine's probably Planes, the Cars sequel yes. spinoff. That yeah. is the correct answer. It's definitely Planes. Okay, but Red Eye. You got Red Eye. You got Red Eye. You got Air Force You can't one. forget Airplane 2. You got Airplane, Airplane 2. You got Snakes yeah. on a Plane. You sure. got Soul Plane. Sure. You got Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you've got Planes, the sequel. Sorry, planes the sequel to like the spinoff of we, we talked about it. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think those are the only plane movies, and it's got to be it. Oh, I would wait. say what that that one with uh with uh Sully Sullenberger, but mm, portrayed by Tom Hanks. Not enough on a plane for me in that movie. I have to say. Oh wait, and there was that Denzel Washington one that came out. Yeah. In a very right around where the same he was kind of drunk. Right, right, right. He was an alcoholic, but he landed a plane while drunk, and no one could decide whether he was a good guy or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like that was just called, like, Flight or some shit. I think it was just called Flight. Oh, there's also that one about the 9-11 flight yeah. that went yeah, down. Yeah, Flight 914 or whatever the yeah. shit. Yeah. They're all good. They're all equal. I mean, I guess I would have to say the 9-11 ones are the best ones just because, you know, rest in peace, Twin Towers. But Yeah, ne- never forget, um, baby. You know, too many people... <laughs> too many people commemorate, like, the firefighters and police officers and just citizens who died that day, but yeah. <laughs> not enough people are talking about the fact that those beautiful Twin Towers are gone. It's real I'm- sad, man. <laughs> See, I'm more, I'm more, uh, I'm sadder about the those beautiful, beautiful planes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Those there's were no some get- of the best planes. There's no getting those back. Yeah, no, there's not. Those are some of the best planes in rotation at the time. Yeah. And you know what? They're planes that would still be flying today if they hadn't exactly. been. Yeah. Hadn't been used as those weapons in the horrible, horrible event. Yeah. So I think actually people probably do miss the Twin Towers. It's just I don't live in New York, so I never think about yeah. it. But I would assume if it people, is weird like, seeing you know, them in a part movie. of the skyline. Yeah. Like yeah. that Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Or no, didn't they famously edit it out of the Spider-Man movie? I thought they just edited it out of the poster. I There's thought that movie... was the controversy was that. Or like mm. they were about to release the movie poster for it, like on nine twelve, and so they just put the posters out without the twin towers. But did they remove them from the whole movie? That'd be pretty fucked up if they didn't remove them from the, or if they did remove them from the whole movie. Yeah, because then at that point it almost feels like you're like on the side of the terrace where you're like, yeah, yeah New York right. shouldn't have these. No, they were right. There is <laughs> a movie that came right. out in like nineteen ninety nine or two thousand where. They filmed in New York, but the director thought that the Twin Towers ruined the shape of the of the New York oh, skyline, weird. and so they yeah. edited it out. I don't remember what movie it is, though. Yeah. There was also that movie that came out in, like, 1995 that 
prove that um, jet fuel melts still beams. So yeah, that's important too if we're if yeah. we're on this topic. I think so. Mm-hmm. And that movie, Toy Story two. Yeah, that's right. Significant yeah. plot that I not enough people remember. Exactly. That movie really helped the nine eleven conspiracy theorists. Mm-hmm. Which is why Tim Allen's still as successful as he is today in Hollywood. Exactly, because he knew. Yeah, that's yeah, that's how he got his his career, really. Yeah. He did a deal with the US government. Do you think we've anyway. said enough things today that could potentially get us in hot water, or should we keep going here? Um, I don't think anybody important enough listens to this podcast for it to matter. That's a good point. Yeah. I still don't think this podcast comes up if you search our names, because I pretty sure we've been able to keep our last names out of it generally which is good uh some girl found us on instagram found Found me on instagram you don't have one yeah that's true oh yeah which is does that count as a little bit of listener mail it's time for listener mail listener mail all right so this is the segment in the show if you're a new listener where we talk about listener mail yeah we haven't had a lot of listener mail yet with the uh since we started the rolling stone studs but i feel like i shouldn't say this girl's full name so this one comes from mckenna who found us on instagram she says mckenna says yo i'm listening to the beach boys boys parentheses again because it's very fun and I love it. Does Pete have yeah. an Instagram as well? I hope you're well. Um, thanks for writing in. I mean, it's we really do prefer it to the email uh, address, yeah. which um, is the Beach Boys Boys at gmail.com. We're paying a lot of money for it, so it would be nice yeah. if you know you actually respected our wishes and used it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we do appreciate any interaction with our fans, so we'll take it. Yeah, um, we do appreciate any interaction with our fans, and I, I with our fans, and I cannot uh, stress that enough. But I can also not stress enough to um, just mind your own business. You know, it does feel really nosy to be asking. Yeah, like, because it's you know, here's yeah. the deal. Like, assume she knows my name, my first name, which is yeah, really, really specific. Almost nobody on Instagram probably has my first name. So probably. it's like she did a little searching. She probably looked through your friends on Instagram, your follows. And, yeah. uh, you know, if you can't find it there, I probably don't exist. So Yeah. And here's the other thing. And this is not specifically for McKenna. This is not for McKenna at all. I'm just saying that. No, but McKenna, we're so grateful that you wrote it. Exactly. In. It's We would we're, never criticize you. Never once. But where the fuck do you get off messaging me on Instagram? I'm the big man on campus, baby. See, that's, again, why we prefer email. (laughs) Yeah. That's why we prefer email, because then we can read the subject line and decide whether we really want to click into it or whether we just hit the little box and send it straight to spam. Exactly. So I guess in the future, it would be nice if you decided to Instagram message PJ to Instagram message him, is it okay if I message you? Here's what I'm Mm -hmm. thinking of talking about. And then he can kind of be like, yes or no, screen out a little bit. Or, you know, block you or whatever. I mean, that's probably what will happen most of the times. Yeah. But if you're interesting enough. Yeah. You know. Um, and What's just, interesting, PJ? On Instagram, is that a come on? I'm confused. I'm not on the app, so I assume it's yeah. 
just all about sex like most social media yeah I, i'm that's what i use it for uh i can't think of any other reason to be on there yeah yeah that makes sense um all joking aside though thank you for the message i do not have an instagram because i don't have any social media at the moment i might have a defunct reddit out there but um like that i didn't deactivate the account on um and no even if i was on it you couldn't follow me yeah um that's fine it's not like his if you had one it wouldn't be private you would just prefer them not to follow you Yes, I don't believe in blocking people or making things private or like locking accounts. I just ask everyone right. to be respectful of me and my space. And then if they don't, I freak the fuck out on them. So, exactly. Which, which is works out really well online. Fair. It's actually like really easy to do. Right. Um, yeah. here, here's another bit of uh, listener mail. Oh, okay. Um, Please. November 2019. It's a long time ago. Wil- Wilden commented on one of our tracks on SoundCloud. Cool. Oh, no, Wilden. <laughs> Wait, what, what? He commented, cool. <laughs> Truly encapsulating <laughs> the highs of the Beach Boys Boys podcast. Cool. That's, that's I assume all of... lowercase, no period, just cool. That is accurate. Yeah. 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 Um, that seems And right. that's the kind of listener mail we'll respond to and yeah praise it's pretty you know it's respectful it doesn't poke too much into our personal lives no and uh you know i appreciate he's obviously a cool dude because he doesn't use that punctuation shit so no that's for nerds i like it uh that's good and uh once again just just seriously thanks so much for reaching out we want to hear from all of you where it is you know pj sometimes numbers aside because our numbers mm-hmm. are astonishing they are really truly there's if not tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people listening to this podcast exactly the minute it comes out because they're just sitting at their phones tapping refresh on the podcast app right uh but it does mean a lot when people do reach out to us because you know as much as as much fun as you and i have doing it just for our own enjoyment it's uh it's good to know there's other people out there who enjoy it too and re re-listening jesus exactly either mckenna has not figured out that there are other podcasts like a friend sent her a link to this one and she does not know how to add more wow what a novel idea it's like radio you can listen to it anytime yeah or I don't even know what other reason there could be that someone would no, want to listen to this show it. twice. That's it. I mean, I think I think you've stumbled upon it, Pete. Um, Our entire audience is consisted of people who either do not know that there are other podcasts or just don't know how to work the app correctly. Yeah, and they they, they subscribe to us and they couldn't figure out how to get other ones, and they're like, I guess this is good enough. The same people whose iTunes only consists of that U two album that was automatically downloaded. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's their favorite album. It's, I mean, you look, when it's the only music you got, you got to love it. Exactly. Which is really a lot of U2's career, I think. <laughs> That's why they're so big in Ireland. It's all they had. That's right. Yeah. Potatoes they, and, and U2 Thin album. Lizzie. Yeah. Thin Lizzy, yeah. Potatoes, and U2. Thin Lizzy were Irish, huh? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Now, PJ, people don't <clears throat> know that in the British Invasion, 
not every single band was British. Now, did you That's, know that? You know, it is a surprising fact, but I did know it. I learned it on a Cracked.com yeah. article. Um, nice. 10 facts that you don't know because you're a stupid piece of shit, um, I believe was the... Accurate yeah. title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and what were some of the bands that were not actually British? Let's see. You got the Pogues. You've got... Sure. Um, yeah. Oh, we're talking second wave. <laughs> oh, no, that's first wave. They're, Pogues won oh, a Pogues. Oh, too. okay. Uh, oh, different band. Okay, okay, gotcha. Predating. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. The Beatles, not actually British. Um, no, from that, Germany. They pulled yeah. the wool over everybody's eyes. Exactly. They were like, oh, some we, real pl- East we played in <laughs> Hamburg sometimes. East Fuck German you. bullshit. Yeah, they were spies for a long time. It became real about 1969, like mm-hmm. after after the uh, few days that John and Yoko spent in bed. He was like, this is bullshit. I'm not being a spy yeah. anymore if you're just making me stay. He's like, I can do the spine when I'm a world famous musician who gets to tour around the world and like argue with bandmates and right. beat women. But yeah. I'm not being a spy when your orders are just to hang out in bed with yeah. my wife for like three days like what is the fucking point of that so he quit then and then the rest of them kind of followed suit after a while yeah including i mean it makes paul. sense yeah. yeah yeah it's a surprising fact uh paul actually was dead um, oh yeah he died really early assassinated by a yeah. cia agent yeah they, but they then, had to keep that real so they, they put the fake paul in there but then yeah. they had to kill the fake paul and bring mm-hmm. back the new one because they reanimated his body. It was a whole JFK thing, you know. Yeah. And Ringo, actual drummer, he had no idea that it was it was going on the entire time. No, yeah, they found yeah. him and they were like, he's actually got pretty good sound. Pretty good style and uh he might not pick up on what's going on this entire time. He's never questioned it. So. No. He's just yeah. he's just there and he walks around like he's uh his head is bobbing in water, you know. That's kind mm-hmm. of his thing. Speaking of Ringo Starr, actually, um, oh, we should just do, let's get into Hot or Not, PJ. Let's get into Hot or Not, Pete. Time for Beach Boys, Hot or Not, oh, sorry, Rolling Stones. Oh, no, yeah, really stuck in a groove. I know. (laughs) You know, you just. to you. To you. you just get you know old habits die hard that's true so speaking of ringo um well let's we'll do hot or not but there is a specific picture i want you to look at first just since it came up of ringo star and brian jones in 1968 which is very they're wearing like weird like the very specific like two year long style of everyone dressing like it was like the 1750s or something i don't even know like the 1750s mixed with like indian fashion yes yeah like they're both wearing these long ass coats um uh, brian with jones like frilly like, shirts and stuff yeah brian jones and brian is like jones, a victorian era yes striped yeah. he looks yes victorian so like 1800s i guess yeah yeah and then Ringo's is just something else, I think, is the only way. <laughs> it's trimmed it's pretty incredible. in what looks to be alpaca fur. Yeah, really long. And fur. it's like a like a leaf 
leafy design. It looks like ivy mm-hmm. design mm-hmm. Um, with a matching tie. And an incredibly frilly shirt. Yeah. But mostly, aside from the fashion, I just wanted to point out how fucked up Brian Jones looks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he really, I mean, as we just did a podcast about one of the most famous, like, ugly guys in rock and roll which was brian wilson in his most reclusive and i would take brian wilson over brian jones in this picture he looks far worse to me he looks like he's 80 years old and wearing a wig yeah his hair is the most bowl cut of any bowl cut i've ever seen yeah he has like weird a weird stubbly beard that ages him so badly so and then he has deep bags under his eyes that yeah. basically look drawn on. You know what? Do yourselves a favor and just look up Brian Jones and Ringo Starr, and I'm sure there's not many I think pictures. it's the first photo that comes up, yeah, of like it's, them together at a party. It's really crazy. It's it's really good. Yeah. Um. So, Brian Jones, at least in that photo, not hot, but... Not. Let's Ringo, get to... I'm going to say yes. Nah, I like the facial hair, but that outfit, I yeah. cannot... See, I think the outfit... Cannot do. Only That's works what for does Ringo. it for you. Yeah. Only you works like for Ringo. Flipping up a coat when you get down yeah. to business. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the next picture. So the Stones. We have a picture of them from 1965. <laughs> They're out in the woods somewhere. It's such a good picture. It um, really is. We got. We got all of them standing in the woods, in the winter time. It looks like. It looks like. It also looks like Charlie Watts is taking a selfie, kind of. It really does. He's in the very yeah. front corner, and like, I would really believe that his arm was behind the, you know, holding up yeah. a, a camera and taking that photo. So should we it's go from left to right? Let's go from left to right. So on the far left, we've got Brian, still a bowl cut, although less egregious somehow. I'm not sure specifically it, it, what it makes is it more better, bowl but... shaped. But because the in the other picture it's like a bowl cut with a mullet. True. Yes. Like it's, it's like it's a more of just this a bowl one is here. Straight up bowl cut. And clean shaven. His eyes are uh, deeply sunken into his face. Still. Really scary looking. Yeah. You know, I hesitate to say hot, but I also hesitate to say not. It's a toughie. I'm fully saying not. Oh, okay. Um, I guess his face is fine. Like, he's an objectively attractive man, I would say, but the eyes, like, the hairline that, like, shields his eyes. Yeah. And they're it just makes black like little doll killer. eyes in this photo. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. And then that but, mixed like, with his black turtleneck, not working. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure Brian Jones seems like he could be a handsome man, but in this photo, I'm gonna, I think yeah. I gotta say not as well. That's a no. Yeah. Yeah. Next, we've got Bill Wyman. Yep, peeking in in the back. You can barely see him, but you can see his face really well. I think you can really see well. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be a not for me. He looks like Igor. Yeah. yeah. He's, I mean, first of all, even worse than Brian. Well, he doesn't have a bull cut. He really has a Prince Valiant going on. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's got some serious bangs, and then it's pretty long hair around the sides. And, uh, and yeah. He looks Bill, old not, as fuck. Yeah, not an attractive man to me. It also, it might be a suit jacket. It kind of looks like he's wearing like a V-neck sweater and a buttoned-up shirt underneath it, which is a no-go for me, fashion-wise. Anyway, so that's just all bad. And I think I might be able to call this out now. Bill Wyman is a is a no for me throughout the entire in in any photo. Yeah, (laughs) it's very possible that that's true. Yeah. 
And then so we up got front, yeah. Keith. And Keith. Looking interesting. Y- looking young. Wearing he looks very a jacket young. that I want. Yeah, his jacket is a 10 out of 10. It's yeah. this suede trucker jacket thing that is so fucking cool. Um, Keith, for me, is it hot? Keith looks good in this picture. I love the jacket. He's also wearing a turtleneck that works really well with the jacket. Mm-hmm. He's got a little stubble going on, a little five o'clock shadow yeah. that's working. But for me, Keith's hair, and I think maybe for the rest of the Rolling Stones career, is so fucking terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. He's got but a real. I think it's hiding his giant ears. Because if you look I think, now, at okay, him, here's the deal from his from the early years photos. I think the giant ears are kind of cute. I have to say, I think it makes him look boyish and cute. And his hair I, now is like, his hair now honestly looks to me actually like Paul McCartney, like after the Beatles breakup, like that kind of '70s feathered yeah. thing where it's a little mullety in back. Like he's basically got a 1965 version of that, where it looks mm-hmm. like the top is kind of like more poofy than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like it. I like everything else that's going on, but I don't think I can say hot with that haircut. I can. I think the face, the the clothes, all of it's good. Yeah, the hair is not ideal, but it's not the worst hair in the picture. And it's also not the worst hair he'll have yeah. by far. So that's also yeah. True. All right, we'll give him a hot just I'm because later hot. it's going to be a real knot. So yeah. <laughs> all right, now we got Mick. Who's kind of coquettishly hanging in the back, making yeah, sexy eyes at you? Yeah, in the back. Yeah, he has the most normal hair, maybe along with Charlie, who we'll get to in a moment. Yeah. Pretty normal, just long hair, um, uh, brushed over his eyes. He's wearing, wearing a nice a blue light suit, blue. Yeah, like a blue sports coat and like a flannel shirt, which doesn't sound like it goes yeah. together, but he he's making it work. It's looking good. I I'm gonna say w- Mick hot for me, See, man. His face in this picture, like I don't think I think Mick Jagger is a very fuckable man. He's very hot. Yeah. Um, oh, for see, the, I think he's part. making a very fuck me face in this photo. And I think it's not for me. It's not. Oh, yeah. You him. want him to play hard to get? I get it. I just want him to be making you. his normal like I'm Mick Jagger face. You know? Yeah. But you want him? Uh, you like Mick Jagger, who's kind of like sneering at you. Exactly. Not Mick Jagger, who's like, please fuck me. Yeah, exactly. I get it. See, I think both can do it for me, honestly. See, Mick, most of the time, I'm going to say hot. In this picture, it's a not for me, baby. Who would have seen this coming, man? Holy shit. I know. It's a big upset. And last, wearing basically the opposite of Mick's clothing (laughs) is Charlie Watts. a gingham suit. Yeah, he's wearing like a a dark flannelly suit and then a bright blue t-shirt or uh, button-up shirt underneath it. Yeah with uh no tie whereas like mix he's not wearing a tie but it's like a flannel shirt so it's fine uh charlie should be wearing a tie or yeah he looks a little un- it looks a little weird without the tie. undo that top button buddy like something about it i mean those jazz guys what are you gonna do exactly um and then he, he definitely has the most normal hair i would say at this point yeah uh his hair is a little bit like uh the guy from No Country for Old Men, Anton Chigurh. Mm. Yeah. Actually, his point. whole face, honestly. He does have that going on. Looks like Javier Bardem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a little, yeah. But I'm going to go ahead and say, hot. 
Charlie Watts hot. Really? Yes. I like the nose. I like the way too big a mouth. Uh, and honestly, I, I mean, I, I'm swayed by clothes. I really like his jacket. <laughs> his jacket's nice. Too. So, like, it's all working together for me. I uh, see. Okay. I'm going, if I'm picking a guy to go home with here, it's either Mick or Charlie, and it's close, close race. Interesting. See, I don't think he's a bad-looking guy. It is yeah. weird that Mick Jagger is not the person with the biggest mouth in the Rolling Stones. Um, <laughs> it does have a little bit of a bubble quality, this photo, so, like, maybe yeah. his mouth just looks so huge because he's on, like, the edge of the photo. He's but... also making the weirdest expression where he's just smiling with his bottom teeth, like I the think, picture was going off I think they caught him know. mid-sentence. I think, I think so he's too. telling, he's like, Brian, Brian, oh, Bill, I can't see you while he's trying to take the selfie. <laughs> yeah. And then like, yeah, he, that's the best one that they got though. Cause Bill had his eyes closed in all of them. Yeah. And it's because of an expression. I'm going not on this one. Interesting. It's right. not across the board except Keith, which is Keith. bizarre considering the rest of the Rolling Stones career. It's going to be almost opposite. Yeah. 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 That is interesting. That's pretty good. You know? pretty good hot or not yeah oh i totally forgot that this was my background um and i could have just been looking at that the whole time pj does have it as his uh uh video background right now on our yeah session well one for five or i'm two for five i guess but one for five is not bad um not the most attractive looking band in the world, but no. still better than the Beach Boys. Well, no, not as good as the Beach Boys. No, the Beach Boys were, I they were always, I would say, three-fifths attractive. Yeah, Not always, fair. but most of the time. Because Denny, time. Carl, and Brian almost always had it going on. And then sometimes, early Mike Love had it a little Early bit. Mike was good, and then Al yeah. occasionally stepped up to the plate, like, you know. Yeah, They were more wise. consistent. We'll see with the, uh, with with the, the Rolling Stones, Stones here. Yeah. They're going to get crazy pretty fast, I think, in terms of... I think of, so, too. Yeah. Getting, we'll see dropping we off or glowing up. All right. Yeah. This has been Rolling Stones, Hot or Not. Well, PJ. Right. Yeah, Pete. You want to get into the Rolling Stones, the rest I of would... their 1965, man. By God, I would love to get into the Rolling Stones the rest of their 1965. <laughs> nice. You know, when you repeat what I say word for word, it really exposes my bad sentence structure because I'm really bad at thinking on my feet, apparently. Huh. Well, that's okay. not what I'm meaning to do, and if that's what's happening, then um, I'm not that sorry about it. No worries. All right, Peach, we're going to get straight into it, man. Let's get straight into it, bud. So 1965, we already talked about the first two records that came out, which were mostly recorded in 1964. So still kind of a little bit of holdover, I suppose, from that early period. But here we're going to get almost all stuff that was recorded in 1965, a lot of originals, and we're going to get these first big Rolling Stones hits, man. That's what I like to hear. Let's get to the first one, the big one, the big bang, they called it. This is back in 65, like, you know, the shot heard around the world? Yeah. Kicked off that glorious revolutionary war that someday won't hopefully be repeated. Um, They really, people at the time called Satisfaction the song heard around the world. Yeah. Oh. And, you know, it was, 
because it was on the radio a lot. Yeah, that's why they that, said that. Um, I w- I would guess international radio even. Yeah, one one writer. Uh, this is pretty like pretty interesting. Just kind of look into the times. One writer was like, if you have a radio, you've probably heard Satisfaction by now, and that was just like <laughs> blowing people's minds. Whoa! That they were like, wow, the fact that a song could be heard by like a bunch of people who all had radio stations accessible to them to listen to. So. Yeah. It was, a, is, it was a big deal at the time. It's wild. It's really wild. So the Stones in 65, man, were reaching a turning point. Because we've, okay. heard, we've heard their shit up till now. It's We have fine. heard their shit up till now. It's, it's all blues. It's, it's the blues. It's middle of the road, except for a few songs here and there yeah. that are phenomenal. Yeah. They are reaching a turning point. They got to mm-hmm. figure out whether what they've been doing let's say let's simplify and just say blue a blues cover band they've been a blues cover band man yeah that has been most and you know what primarily a chuck berry cover band yeah they have become to their credit and to the credit of the times that they're playing in they have become world famous as a blues cover band which yeah if all you credit can do to that them. good yeah. for you but they aren't yet these they aren't yet icons of rock pj so how do they become i mean not even that that was a thing that they could have been searching for yet but right how do they make this last beyond beyond the blues so they need to turn a little something oh how this podcast goes (laughs) is you tell me how they do that oh yeah i was hoping you could say i that's all i had in my notes for this week I was oh, really hoping you could just take up the ball and, <laughs> and go from yeah. there. Yeah. PJ, well, they need a pop hit, man. That's they do what need they a need. Pop hit. I agree. They need a pop hit. These guys are stuck in the in the muddy waters, if you pardon my pun, unless it, they get a uh-huh. or the shape of a pop rock hit. Exactly. You know who else that worked for? It worked for Seal, the Archies, the Archies. Thin Lizzy. Also, there's a lot of Thin Lizzy talk, and I apologize to the Thin Lizzy lads for that one. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think they'll. They'll. I think they'll appreciate it, especially with I, a little, you know, boost we just gave them there. So. Yeah. So PJ, they need Peter. a pop hit. They aren't even actually really trying for one, to be honest. Mick and Keith are writing songs, but they're writing stuff like "The Last Time" or "It's All Over Now," which is good. Some of it could be called great but is it gonna break I mean, through as a it's all over now worldwide pop hit i'm gonna tell you that right now yeah but is it gonna break through no so the song that'll do it for him is satisfaction ah specifically in case anyone out there is confused the song parentheses i can't get no and parentheses satisfaction because there are a lot oh. of songs just called Satisfaction. Right. So that's why they had to do the parentheses because they were like confused. Like, what if someone buys the wrong one? You know. Yeah. So they had to throw that on there so that it wasn't confusing to those dumbass record buyers back in the day. I mean, I did. When you said Satisfaction, I was I was very confused. And then. Yeah. Yeah. When you added the parenthetical in there, it all it all made sense. It all clicked. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's well established in rock lore that Keith came up with the satisfaction riff in his sleep. 
basically. Ah, so yeah. it's like the Paul McCartney and uh, Yesterday yes. thing. It's exactly that. Well, I forget that story exactly off the top of my head, but Keith would sleep with his guitar every night, which I think he, I don't know if he like still does, but supposedly did for like decades. Sleep Is with the guitar gay or not? I, mm. I, I really hope his guitar is not a boy. I hope it's a girl guitar. <laughs> yeah, PJ, because then, yeah, you're right. That would be gay. That's that would be... gay. Uh, just as recently as our childhood, that could have been a real conversation, which is yeah. beautiful. Um, so slept with his guitar every night. And during these, this era, at least, he also slept with a tape recorder like next to his bed so that he could mm. at any point turn on his tape recorder and record a little riff or like an idea for a lyric or whatever while they were touring. Not bad. So he woke up one morning, noticed the tape recorder was like in a different spot than when he went to bed and hit play on the cassette that was in there and heard the little riff. That's mm. it. And he thought, it's okay. Yeah. So over the next few months, I just, they, I'm just sad that I know this story is going to end up with a lawsuit because there was a guy who broke into his home and was like, oh, it was all this. And then record a little riff. And then OJ Simpson. Yeah. And he then, was looking for those awards. Yeah. And then he, <laughs> he just, uh, he saw that beautiful guitar sitting on the bed and he thought, ah, I got to mess with this he, thing. He just man. had to pick it up. And then he saw the tape recorder and mm-hmm. he just didn't know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. He just started messing with yeah. that. He dropped it a couple times, fumbling yeah. around, you know? Yeah. It was a whole thing. But so over the next few months, he and Mick tried to work it into a song and it just wasn't clicking. Every time they mm. would practice on tour, they gave it a shot. They tried recording it at a couple different stops when they were working on it. And after several weeks, they were done. They thought it wasn't going to become anything and they should just move on. Right. But Lug was obsessed with this riff. Right. He was seeing stars. He couldn't, he was seeing dollar signs, probably. That, yeah. Managers, that am I seems right? to be his prerogative. Yeah. Yeah. So he made them keep trying over and over again and insisted that they figure out how to make this a hit song. So finally in LA, they're recording a demo version uh, and Ian Stewart was in on these sessions. At first they're playing it really slow in like a weird, it sounds like a weird like 50s doo-wop version from the description that I've read. Um, Yeah, like with acoustic guitars and stuff, yeah. And Weird. so, yeah, there was some quote that Lug was like, it conjured up images of like hot rods and brill cream. So, <laughs> so I don't really know what that means. But I mean, I think it's safe to say maybe it sounded like an early Beach Boys song. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So at some point, Charlie figured out that it should be faster. And that did a little bit of something. And then one day, Ian Stewart came to the studio with a fuzz pedal from a guitar shop down the street and told Keith, oh. hey man, you, be- you won't try this. And those were all the words what? he was allowed to speak that day. He was only given like six words a day that he was yeah. allowed, contractually, that he was allowed to say in the studio. So he, mm-hmm. <laughs> he used them up on that. Uh, he couldn't cool, go to the bathroom the rest of the day because he kept raising his hand and no one called on him. <laughs> and then when somebody came in and asked for a sandwich order, there's nothing. Yeah, he like kept nodding. You know, they were asking him like, do you want one? And he yeah. nodded and they're like, yeah, what, what kind? And he was like, pointing at the menu and they were like sorry we don't know what you're doing man we don't know what you want yeah gotta go 
Anyhow, he just ate a granola bar he found in his pocket, but yeah. So I mean, so, he survived, is what I'm saying. He he is a survivor, but yeah, but not comfortably, you know. Yeah. So the fuzz pedal clicked for Keith. He like realized the song should be this banging rock and roll song, mm-hmm. which you're the Rolling Stones, shouldn't it have always been? But you right, know, your old early days, like... they were still figuring out who they were. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> It wasn't obvious to them yet that it shouldn't just be a like fast, loud, four to the floor kind of thing. Right. Um, At this point, they're not the bad boys of rock and roll. They're still the bad boys of the blues. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But the fuzz pedal wasn't enough. So Ian Stewart left again, doing all of their work for them, and found a distortion pedal. Cool. And somehow that was the perfect guitar tone for Keith. And so... He plugged it in. They laid down a demo with the distortion pedal and were ready the next time they got into the studio to figure out how to put horns on it because as many people, maybe, I don't know. It seemed to be a common fact. I'd never known this, but the guitar line was supposed to be a horn line and then they would Hmm. figure out guitar stuff later to play over it. But it was supposed to be a horn line, kind of like a, I don't know, Wilson Pickett type R&B song. Right. So, but Lug, well, it doesn't even, the, when the demo was done, Lug wanted to take a vote on whether the song should be their next single, with or without horns. And Mick and Keith both thought it was ass, so they voted no. Uh, and then Charlie and Bill voted yes, and Brian weirdly broke the tie saying yes, even mm. though he later said that he hated the song with a passion, so... Yeah, that sounds like something he'd say, because he yeah. didn't write it. Uh, so they took that vote. Uh, they all left the studio, and a few days later, much to their surprise, the song was released without Luke telling them, <laughs> and it was the cool. demo version, not their finished version with horns and everything on it. Mm-hmm. And before they really knew it, it was like the biggest song in the world all of a sudden, and they yeah. were launched. I mean, they were already a pretty big band, but launched into the stratosphere. Uh, with that song coming out and uh, satisfaction, man, they could, it turned out with the release of that song, they got a little satisfaction. Yeah. yeah. Which previously I believe they said they couldn't get no. So yeah. And now they got some, but then the interesting thing about their career, PJ, they're going to be chasing that satisfaction the entire time. Sometimes they're going to have too much, sometimes not enough. So you know, it's really there, just the story of the of the Rolling Stones. Yeah. There was a, a story that uh, uh, in the town that we grew up in, there's a DJ who was an older man, mm-hmm. and he would tell this story all the time. It was when he was interning at the radio station that he then worked at for like 60 years. Um, he, uh, the, the guy... The, the DJ at the time, who had been on the radio for a while, he was the experienced DJ, uh, started to play I Can't Get No Satisfaction and then took it off mid-song and broke it over his knee because he thought it was too sexual. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, banned in the UK from BBC Radio Yeah, because it was supposed to be all about sex. Yeah. Um, which BBC Radio I famously guess... in the 60s also banned every fucking song. That's true, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that so satisfaction came out, uh, according to the uh, 
author of this this little this little book I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, he called it their quantum leap into the stratosphere that started the four or five ish year period that was just all about the Beatles and the Stones. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Getting a hit on international radio. Was, yeah, uh, I yeah. mean. Yeah, and they, you know, and they maintain at least their uh, trajectory too. Um, so, one other interesting thing regarding satisfaction, actually, a couple other interesting things about satisfaction. So, Rick, the guy who wrote this dumb book I'm reading, um, he has this long quote from Chris Barber, who I think came up in the book really early on in. He was a blues guy who played in London and like fronted a bunch of the blues bands, but he was very traditional. Like he fronted like big bands, like jazz band kind of things. Um, But was like instrumental in the scene uh, along with like Alexis Corner and those people who you remember. Yeah. uh, Who kind of got them their start. So this guy has this crazy quote about satisfaction that is a trip. It's not real. And the sad thing is they were capable of the real thing, but they found something else which isn't real, but makes them an awful lot of money. If you're a serious musician, you know, it's not real. Just look at Brian Jones. (laughs) He was serious, very serious, but he couldn't stop it because they were tempted, terribly tempted right from the start and could not resist. That guy sounds like an asshole. Satisfaction's a good song. I mean... He really just comes off as really, really bitter, right? Like, it's a yeah. crazy... And that's actually an edited version. That quote is really, like, a full paragraph, and I cut some, like, repetitive stuff out of it. Yeah. Like, this author got a long-ass rant from this guy, basically, <laughs> about how they gave up real musicianship, quote-unquote, for, like, a pop song. Uh, cool. So not doing blues covers is... Blues covers is real music to this guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. which is... Yeah, interesting. Uh, so this guy, who's also a Brian Jones stan, I guess, which is a very problematic even, uh, yeah. you know, back then. So um, he also says, well, oh, wait, no, this is, never mind. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, so this guy's a Brian Jones stan because he's like, Brian Jones was the real musician in the group. Right. Uh, but then the Rick Cohen, the author, says that it really put the last nail in the Brian's coffin. This metaphor doesn't work, but Brian yeah. basically was like completely <laughs> shut out now officially of like songwriting since yeah. they had an actual straight up hit on their hands hit that um, written by the other boys and also was kind of just shut out of the band to some degree because he was not interested in the idea of becoming a pop rock band. He wanted to be, you know, quote unquote, really serious musicians. And so, uh, at least for the next few years until his death, I would I would say their aim is generally to be a pop band more than yeah. to be like a real rock band that comes later. So um, so this uh, starts officially. We kind of talked about Brian being a problem, uh, problematic guy in the last couple of episodes. But according at least to Rick Cohen, this starts Brian's official like decline. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of well first of all they start doing drugs around now so his drug use starts increasing um 
and then also he just starts becoming a yeah a, a problem kid um it is like weird that being obnoxious in the music industry the second you get any money it's like oh cool i'm gonna spend this all on drugs yeah like that is almost everybody's story except yeah. for charlie watts apparently yeah yeah um yeah, there's a funny story, which is really funny that it's like he uses a couple illustrations of how Brian starts becoming an asshole. But one of them, <laughs> one of them is that at one point on the tour, they all stopped to get hamburgers and Brian said he wasn't hungry. And then they all went and ate inside the restaurant and then came back to the car. And then as soon as they all got back in, Brian said, actually, I am hungry now. And then went and got a hamburger while they all had to wait for him. <laughs> Uh, that's like something Which, like, a shitty roommate does on a yes, road like, trip. Yes, like yes, he's being a jerk, but I don't know if it speaks to I don't know. Yeah, it's just <laughs> whatever. It's funny that somebody wrote down that story. I know, right? Like, like yes, that's him being obnoxious. Later, I mean, like, I have to, I have to think you're right because I have to think that it was only like remembered because he probably did shit like that every single day of their tour. And so it's like that's just an example of the stuff he was constantly doing. Because otherwise, that that's a really bad out. story. Yeah. <laughs> Keith is just well, still mad Brits, about it. Yeah. Well, those Brits, they didn't even know what hamburgers were. So yeah. they were like, hey, we can try one today. And then they were all aghast that Brian didn't want one. Yeah. But it was really, he was just being a petulant little bitch. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, speaking of drugs, in 1965. They all start doing drugs, PJ. So the Stones were surprisingly prudish. uh, Trucker speed, notwithstanding, um, in terms of doing drugs. Apparently in 1964, they kicked out a guy who was smoking weed backstage at one of their concerts because they were all like freaked out. They're going to get busted. Yeah. Um, That's and ironically. Yeah. Ironically, Charlie was the only one who'd ever smoked weed because he hung out with all the jazz cats. So yeah, that yeah, they were a little hilarious. They were a little crazy. Um, but in 1965, they buy acid for the first time and come back from one of their. I think like they come back to London from one of their American tours with acid, and all start doing acid. Um, Even Charlie. So, Charlie, I think we might have talked about it in the last episode. Yeah. Charlie's the only guy who never did acid, yeah. And I think, yeah, we talked about how later he said he kind of regretted it because he he felt like he kind of missed out, would have liked to do it once. Seemed like they were having Um, fun. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, the book does also say that Bill said no thank you to acid, but I'm unclear on whether Mm. that was just, like, that first time or whether he's never done it. It was ever, yeah. Yeah. Um. And then Mick and Keith loved it. Brian loved it, but became kind of a problematic acid guy right? Uh, very quickly. I mean, they're probably all problematic to different degrees, but um, he, but got, he got kind of in, so in the darkness. Yeah. yeah. And then I got to assume Ian Stewart was somewhat a part of this. He probably just microdosed, right? Yeah. He just <laughs> didn't. He invented <laughs> microdosing. Yeah. He had to cope with not being a real member somehow. yeah uh let's see yeah that made those long days in the studio when he wasn't allowed to talk a lot more yeah a lot nicer to sit through when he was just constantly a little bit high (laughs) right 
Also, big news in 1965. This is when they get their first, I don't even know if I want to say real manager, but they get their first manager aside from Lug. Right. Okay. So after Satisfaction comes out, they are both, they're like much bigger stars than they were before, and their DECA contract is almost up. So they're going to sign a new contract, and they're these stratospheric rock stars. Right. And so Lug is feeling overwhelmed, uh, which is interesting. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would admit he didn't know what he was doing, uh, but yeah. he apparently did. Well, and he, he couldn't keep affording to have his mom come on tour with him to like sign all this <laughs> yeah. stuff. It was a lot of money. He, uh, he, so he sought out the what he viewed as the best manager in rock at the time. Mr. Alan Klein to okay. sign on with the band. So the notorious Alan Klein, if you know anything about, well, I mean, he's probably almost more famous for the Rolling Stone stuff, but I mostly mm-hmm. know him from the Beatles when he fucked them over late in their career. Yeah. Um, cause they, yeah, I he mean, was, yeah, cause he, um, he was, he was the, the, their manager after Brian Epstein died. Uh, right in like 1969 or something i think he helped them Epstein died in 67 oh was it yeah i thought alan klein didn't show up till later though because their finances didn't start being a shit show until right. like 1969 or 70 yeah well i think hmm. i there thought was somebody came in around between, yeah because i thought he came around around the same time that they established apple records because apple records just yeah. became a money pit for them i think right. due to how he handled their finances but I'm thinking there maybe wasn't a manager in between there. I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. We'll Regardless, Alan Klein famously just kind of ruined the Beatles and Apple records for a few years there. Um, basically he's not, he was famous in the day for being, uh, like a very no nonsense, intense manager who like would, stand up to record companies basically for artists like he got sam cook like millions of dollars in unpaid royalties he managed a bunch of the british invasion bands and got them these really lucrative contracts so all that was great but alan klein did not really become clear until later to everybody also took an insane cut from every band and also gave them all terrible terrible advice on how to do their taxes which yeah. basically fucked over every single band he managed, it seemed like, where they all had to either pay back an insane amount of taxes or just, like, default on taxes yeah. because Which they owed I, so much. Um, it seems like they may have, uh, the Rolling Stones may have taken Alan Klein's advice uh, way longer than the other bands. <laughs> yeah, well, what's crazy about it is that, yeah, like, the Beach Boy or the Beatles didn't have him until, I mean, at least 67 is, like, a little yeah. bit later. And the Rolling Stones have him in 65, but then it's like, it's not till like 1970, 71 that I feel like everyone realized how much he'd fucked them over. Yeah. And then it, it feels so. like even after that, the Stones were like, no, 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 he's a good dude. He's got yeah. really good tax advice. Yeah. Which is weird because at least from what I remember of a couple of Beatles books that I've read, they hated him as a person. Mm-hmm. Like they were like, he's a necessary evil because he's an asshole and we do not like working with him, but like we got to right. get our finances figured out and stuff. Yeah. So they like trusted him in that way and then it didn't work anyway. But anyway, so he brought in Alan Klein. 
Um, so when they went into their negotiations, Alan Klein, according to Charlie Watts, Alan Klein dressed them all like they were like mafiosos or like he was the mafioso with like goons with him, like all dark suits matching suits. And he was like, no one says a word until the DECA president says says something because we want to like intimidate them and make them think whatever we're badasses. Yeah. So they just go sit there and stare at him in their apparently intimidating suits and get uh, what the author of this book calls the most lucrative recording contract in, up to that point where they were advanced yeah. a million pounds in cash for their next album, which Damn. I would believe that's the most lucrative contract up to that point. Yeah. That's an insane amount of money for 1965. And in dollars, um, that's probably like 1.2. Okay. Okay. You got to Let's do this, Peter. You get out an inflation calculator and yeah. uh, uh, a transcriber to British pounds. See how many actual American real dollars. Yeah. That is. Okay. It's sixteen and a half million pounds in twenty twenty. Oh, that's not bad. That's going to be like twenty million dollars, I think. Yeah, I think so. Twenty-two million dollars in twenty twenty-one U.S. dollars. I mean, I could see for that being at the time a really lucrative contract, but I feel like people are making a lot more on contracts nowadays. I mean, yes, but like mm, even without not. inflation really too, know. buying power was more with money yeah. back then. Like, that's fair. yeah. So yes, not as much money as because like now you could probably easily get like a, I don't know a fifty million dollar record contract. I think so. I think that's but pretty... um. But and for the time where like studios, not studios, record labels had just all of the power, it was and probably would really fuck insane. Everybody they could over. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's that. And Alan Klein, the very the last great piece of advice he gave him that we'll talk about today, is that they should incorporate their holdings in the United States because taxes are really high in Britain. Mm. And this will not come back to bite them. No, ominous music drop. Ominous yeah. music drop. <laughs> this will not be a problem at all, ever, that they decide to not pay taxes in Britain. I think that is a good career move. And it's crazy that Alan Klein later uh, manages Wesley Snipes. What? <laughs> is that real? No, Wesley Snipes went to prison for tax evasion. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. God, so many people have gone to prison for tax evasion. Me, That's the main way they you. get you. Al Capone will tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Me, That's you, it. Al Capone, Wesley Snipes. Mm-hmm. All Those in are the same four cell, jamming up in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a poster of every famous person who's gone to jail from tax evasion in the same cell, like shooting the shit in like one of those paintings styled like yeah. everyone hanging out at the gas station. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be great martha stewart right wasn't hers tax <laughs> <Right>. evasion yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh god well, i wish we were a big enough podcast we had fans who could just draw you could do that, that art fantastic yeah. yeah well pj i think we're ready to get into the track by tracks here man i think that catches us up with what's going on with the stones in 1965 aside from these two mega albums coming out we're going to take a break here for a second. Let's, we'll see uh, a little further down the path the stone's rolling down. We'll see you on the other side of that stone.
And welcome back to the Rolling Stone Studs. How was your break, PJ? It was good. Um, my girlfriend uh, made some stickers. So. Nice. Yeah. My girlfriend, uh, excuse me, fiance. Your fiance. Yeah. Yeah. Asked if we were <laughs> if we were still doing the foreplay session section of the podcast yet. So that's so good. <laughs> I, I, I suppose really to carry the joke all the way through, we're ready for insertion, which is the track by track. <laughs> all right, let's get into the coitus. And then is the rating, the album rating, the the moment of climax? Yeah, I think so. I I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. That's when um, I come every time. Oh yeah. <laughs> let's get into it. The first. Let's get into out of our heads, PJ. All right. For songs, mercy, mercy. Into wait, wait, wait. We have a little. We have some history, man. I'm sorry. There's always a little background. Come on, PJ. It's I'm like sorry. We haven't I haven't done this. In- I fucked up. You would. <laughs> you would do the music part of the when we were in person. So you know. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. I'm and boy, do this. I miss my one other task. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's tough. Um. Okay. So out of our heads was released. In the U.S. and the U.K., same album title. Okay. Different album cover and track listing. So don't think that we're out of the woods yet here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Released in July in the U.S. and September in the U.K. Uh, Let's see. The only the U.S. version is now on Spotify, which is kind of what we've been using, I think, uh, as our because it unlike wikipedia it has both the uk and the us albums in like the same feed so i'm kind of using that right right and i also i would take spotify to kind of be the band's official history because it's one of those spotify pages where the band has to be involved it's so detailed right um (laughs) well and i think they have to sign off on like what they want to be on there like famously taylor swift was like i don't want any of it on there Right, but yeah, the Stones, PJ, <laughs> keeps changing his background. Uh, now he's in a about. beautiful field of flowers. Uh, oh, now he's out back at, next to his camper. <laughs> That's quite a specific, well, who's using it's that background? <laughs> it's like, are you redneck, but also kind of high class? Right. In a weird combo way. Um, so, yeah, just their Spotify, like it has... Every album is like the remastered version. It has like separate feeds for albums. And then like they have their singles and EPs like in a separate Spotify feed. Right. They have all of their releases. They have, you know, like the US and UK versions very separated when there are them. So anyway, I'm kind of taking that as the band's like official word. (laughs) Great. Thank you. Now it's a picture of me behind PJ, which I don't want to know how he got that. Um. So we're not going over the UK version, mostly because the next US album has like three quarters of those songs, I think, on it. We're right. just going to do the US version, which I think is enough because the US version appears to be one of the more famous Rolling Stones albums. Okay, uh, fair enough. Ever released. So anyhow, the US, the album cover is from the same photo shoot from 12 by 5 in the Rolling Stones number two. Which it. also shared album covers from like other albums. Like they just, how cheap is this fucking record company that <laughs> they were like, here's four photos from the same photo shoot. Let's make it last across nine albums. <laughs> that is hilarious. Jesus, that like, like no, just 
and like they're constantly it's and they don't it's even just look it's like so easy to get a band photo you know yeah. yeah it's just it's just get them all before a show when they're looking somewhat nice and take 10 minutes for to get a photo like who gives yeah. a shit anyway uh, so we have a couple celebrity credits on this album. We have Phil Spector credited playing. Okay, well, both of these album credits are suspect. Is maybe Here's the what best I think way to put it? Because you told me about some of it. You know, you know what? I'll tell you what I think happened after you say the other ones. Okay. So Phil Spector is credited with playing guitar on one of the songs, and then Ringo Starr of all people is credited with playing percussion with playing piano on Satisfaction and playing organ and harpsichord on other songs, which I don't think Ringo knows how to play any of those instruments, right? He doesn't. If you if you look him up, like, Wikipedia is always very, like, um, gracious with saying what instruments people play or can't mm, play. Know how to play, like, yes. It's always a like long if, list. If he was he, on stage once plunking away on a piano, they exactly. got it on Wikipedia there. will have it. Um, his says vocals and drums. He did not play anything <laughs> yeah. else. And yeah. so what I think happened is somebody got wind that we're starting a Rolling Stones podcast. Probably. And they just wanted to feed some false information in there yeah. to see if we'd say it and just try and bring us down. That we're my, we're on to you. Yeah. I was mostly like, I mean, I honestly actually didn't know that Ringo didn't know how to play other instruments. Being in the Beatles, it like made sense to me. He maybe would have picked up enough piano yeah. to like go play a few chords on a song but um i was mostly just amazed that i'm like man if it's fame if paul mccartney maybe ate celery on a beach boy song and yeah. everyone knows about that like how has no one ever talked about ringo star playing on satisfaction yeah so that was really my tip off to it not being real i feel like yeah was that I, it's just like I, that a, has to be not real it's you well couldn't, you couldn't find yeah. it anywhere else right I just I saw it on Wikipedia. There was no citation for it, and I did pretty extensive googling. So I guess write in if you know this to be true. But I, I don't think it's got to be. There's no way it would go, and there's no way it would go unmentioned. Like in my book that spent a whole chapter talking about the writing and recording of Satisfaction, how would they not mention that a Beatle showed up for a minute to play on the song? So yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, some jokers fucking around with Wikipedia. But now we can get into the track by track. Track by track. Out of our heads. First song, Mercy, Mercy. This is a uh, cover of a Don Covey tune who is a R&B guy from this era or from I mean yeah this era but I think this song was written in like 1963 or something okay so um I good song oh go ahead I was just saying it's a good song yeah it is I have known the Don Covey version for quite a while and Mm. really like it like it's one of my favorite old R&B songs and the Rolling Stones actually do a really, really good version of it. Like, I was yeah. ready to not give them any ground on any of their R&B covers being better than the originals, but I might have to give this one to them. See, I had heard this one before the other version, 
Yeah. And they're both really good. Yeah. But I do really like the Stones version. So the Stones version has two things going for it, which are, first of all, the drums in this out al- on this song are awesome. They're recorded really, really well. The bass drum kicks are like so fucking loud somehow in a way that I didn't really know they knew how to do like in the 60s. Yeah. Um, Like the bass drum when it comes in is just heavy. And then uh, whether it's Keith or Brian doing the lead lick, that is a really nice riff and is much like louder and upfront than it is on the original version. So yeah. Yeah. It it's has, a groovy tune. It has very similar guitar tone where my guess is they recorded it after Satisfaction, but that riff does Probably. sound like the guitar in Satisfaction. Yeah. And feels like... So this album and the next album are their last albums of all covers. Or of yeah. mostly covers, you know? Yeah. Like they kind of... They go into a few-year period where it's all just originals from yeah. Mick and Keith. Okay. And Excellent. so this one... This feels to me a little bit like when the Beach Boys started to figure out the surf rock thing in a way where it felt like it was themselves and not just like a weird uh, costume they were putting on. Right. Like this feels like the Stones like living in a song rather than them just covering it and trying to be somebody else. Yeah. It's a really good song. Um, Next song. And a great album opener. I think, yeah, it's really good first, yeah, first song on an album. Um, Hitchhike. A uh, Marvin Gaye cover. I have not heard this original, I don't think, ever. See, um, this one to me, because I I am familiar with the Marvin Gaye version, um, I like Marvin Gaye's version better. And they took it and just made it like their old stuff kind of at this point. Right. It sound um, this could have been on New England, uh, England's newest hit makers. That's yeah. kind of what it sounds like. Like, um, and I don't love that, especially for the second song. With such a strong opening, yeah. it being the second song on the album, it's like you guys should have known better. But they were still like super into the blues at this point. So, yeah, I do not like this really at all. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, uh, it's back to them just trying to sound like you know chuck berry or whatever and just right not to uh i guess spoil the rest of our track by track maybe the worst song on this album oh i think third worst (laughs) okay interesting (laughs) or no yeah i think it's not close to the worst actually so okay i might change my mind later but we'll see yeah all right the last time Amazing riff. One of the best riffs of all time. Also, an amazing song. Same thing with the bass drum, I feel like, on this track, where it just sounds really big and and deep. Once again, they cannot figure out harmonies. No, they... And I think that... I'm trying to think of a Rolling Stones song that does well with harmonies, and I don't think I know it. They might just never figure it out. Yeah. But this song is really fucking good. It is. Yeah. It's a Stone Cold classic. Yeah. (laughs) Stone Cold classic. (laughs) Did they invent that phrase about the Rolling Stones? 
Uh, well, it is now, Pete. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't have much to say about this song, except for the fact that it's awesome. Um, Same. I'm making Keith original. Yeah, making Keith original. Um, and not very bluesy. They can do it. Yeah. And it, like, the riff, this is the first song that I've heard from the Rolling Stones that's going to, like, because their whole thing is, like, a riff driving and that I mean that's a whole rock and roll yeah. thing too a riff yeah. driving the song this is the best use of it they've done so far and maybe the for first sure. one where they've fully embraced that yeah for sure yeah it's really fucking good a little bit of surf guitar yeah a little bit Direct challenge to the Beach Boys. Yeah. You know those rivals, the Beach Boys and the Rolling Stones. I can't even imagine. What if they met, man, in like 1965? Just been polar opposites. Yeah. They've been kind of incredible. I mean, the Beach Boys look like they shower on a regular basis, and then you've got the Rolling Stones, who I could tell from that hot or not picture, do not. Alright, I'm gonna go to the next one even though the song is good. At That's some how point strong we have my to love is. Get to the Otis Redding cover just to skip it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who why are they still trying to cover Otis Redding? Again. Like a second. Yeah, two okay. albums in a row, man. I, I did forget about this song on this album when I said that thing about uh, the the uh, yeah. Marvin Gaye cover. Um I don't actually hate Mick like does a little different thing with the melody here that's not bad yeah and makes it actually i would say listenable as opposed to I, their last otis reading cover but it's you know, definitely I'm not actually, a good song i'm going to retake back what i say i do think the marvin Gaye cover is worse than this one but mm-hmm. if this song if i was unfamiliar with the otis reading version yeah i think i would like this but i, I say do love yeah. otis reading Yeah, I mean, there's not much to say about it. It's an Otis Redding cover that's... Yeah, stop it. Good times. Okay, and this is maybe the weirdest choice they've made yet to me. Why the fuck are the Rolling Stones covering Sam Cooke? Like, all the other R&B guys or, like, songs they've covered have either been, like, some breakup songs or they're covering, like, more edgy guys or more, like, rock guys. But But Sam Sam Cooke is, like, the king of, like, smooth R&B. Yeah. Well, and it's also good times. Like that's yeah. it's like the antithesis of what I feel like the Rolling Stones image and vibe is. Right. Is like um, we can get along and have a fun night together. Yeah. And uh, once again, I love Sam Cooke so much that this is like pretty egregious to cover it, this one. It sounds so weird. Yeah. And especially because like. They aren't even, again, they're not even making it the Rolling Stones. Like, Mick's no. trying to sound like him, I feel like. Exactly. Yeah. Which, I like, don't like it. This is the worst one. I'll say this, yeah. and then the Marvin Gaye one, and then... This, the, yeah, uh, this might be one of the worst right songs they've done just so far in their career, man. It's, it, it's a rough hand. It's like, they're just... I don't, it's, it's bad. It, they're, they're shitting on the grave of uh, Sam Cooke. Ooh. It kind of feels like what you're who, what? Out? 
What year did this song come out? This album? Oh, uh, 65. Okay, so Sam Cooke died December 64, so they are yeah, literally yeah. just shitting on his grave. Right. It kind of feels like at this point, the Rolling Stones are really just like pushing my specific buttons to be like, is yeah. this a bad enough R&B cover for you? Oh no, not quite. Okay, what about what about if we covered this singer though? Yeah. Like, because I don't know if listeners know, but like 50s and 60s soul, like Atlantic Stacks stuff is like one of my very favorite kind of, I guess I'll call it a genre, genre of music. So it yeah. just, it really feels almost personal that the Stones are like, now we're going to cover Otis Redding and like make you listen to this shit. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I think you and I have the same relationship with that kind of music and it is awful whenever white people take like do it. Yeah. You know? It's not all do white you think, people, but these yeah. British dudes should not be doing it. Uh, PJ and thank you for saying it. Yeah. I'm all right. Live. Okay, once it kicks in here, I assume it's Brian. I don't know who's playing guitar, but there's a guitar line that is really, and would blow my fucking mind if I was watching this concert. It's like a crazy slide down. That part is like just fucking nuts. And especially like when they're still kind of just a I don't know, blues band. Yeah. They're like pulling out some Led Zeppelin shit in concert, apparently. It does sound cool, for sure. Yeah. Um, and the rest of the song is all right. <laughs> ironically, yes. Um, Got myself at that one, yeah. Uh, the, the thing is that it... I like that they're using, like... Oh God, I can't... It sounds awful on this setup. I'm just gonna yeah. Turn it down a it's bit. already kind of a rough recording. Yeah. Yeah. I but I like that about it. That's what I was gonna say about it, which is ironic that I had to turn it down to get rid of that. But I like the like. I don't. The crowd is really working for him in this song. Because if yeah. this song was just if they had done a studio version of this song, it would be fucking terrible. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I um, I like this is gonna be the first of like three or four live songs we get on the next couple albums yeah and i like it i like throwing a random i thought i would hate it and it would make it feel more like a weird compilation but i actually kind of like want more albums that just throw a random live track on it i really enjoy this their live energy is really good i mean it was the same thing with the beach boys and like yeah i don't give a different energy to the to the album and I don't think that necessarily carries over to every band. I think some bands, like, there's a live album and it sounds like shit. But yeah. I think with, with the Beach Boys and the Rolling Stones, phenomenal, like, live recordings. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Also, do they know that the al- that the song is I'm Alright? Because they only say it's alright the it's all right, entire yeah. time. Yeah, okay. That is a really good point. <laughs> it's really confusing to the point where I was searching if, like, I was reading the title wrong yeah. and like Spotify had it entered wrong. And there's that guitar line. For I can't is, they can't get no satisfaction. They can't. Um Is there anything actually to say about this? I don't know if there is. I think the only thing we can say before we just let the entire song play is um one of the greatest 60s pop songs of all time. Okay. And 
it's it's at a point where it's not that it's not too overplayed for me to still love it you know i don't like this song very much you're wrong i know come on you're bobbing your head you like it i mean it is objectively a good song but i don't think it's even close to the best to like in the best rolling stone songs i guess i'll say that no i don't think it's one of the best rolling stone songs like I, think- I don't think it's one of the best rolling stone songs that have come out in the last three albums no but like on really i think it's one of the better ones i think um, every other like hit we've talked about recently i like more than this one they finally stray away from the blues and write a pop song and you're like i don't know it's a good song i like the and i try part um but the verses are really annoying to me really and then i also don't really like the drums on it and it's one of those things where it is i think it's maybe just because it's overplayed and the only reason that i think because there's a lot of rock songs that are overplayed, but I do still enjoy. Like, I'll still listen to, I don't know, 25 or 6 to 4. Great song. Literally as many times as I hear it. I will never turn that song off. But this song I have heard too many times. See, I Like, just way too like many times. I'm so over it. I've not heard it that much, like, in the wild, you know? Um, I suppose, but I still feel like... It just feels like there's not a lot... I love it. I think going it's going on there for me. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely good, but like yeah. I said, if we're talking Rolling Stones hits, this is like deep, I think, deep on the list for me. I think for 65, this is an amazing song. And I think it's one of the best pop songs written in the 60s. Definitely top 15. I mean, cultural impact wise, I can't argue with you at all. But in terms of my enjoyment, it's good. It's, it's good. solid. And, like, it's like Mick finally doing his Mick thing, you know? That's this true. Is the, this yeah. is the first one where he's Mick, you know? For you sure. You hear it a little bit in earlier songs, but this is full Mick Jagger. That's true. Yeah. This is a song made for prancing around the stage, man. Exactly. Doing his weird <laughs> little rooster walk. Yeah. Like, I'll say this, PJ, I like the under-assistant West Coast promotion man more than Satisfaction. (laughs) We'll get to it in a couple tracks, but like, I don't know, man. Cry to me. Yeah. It's fun. We've already heard this, right? Uh, Good question. I believe we have. This was on a previous album or we played the single at some point yeah i guess let me check i kind of thought it wasn't but no just this album interesting we must have heard a very similar one I could have sworn. Huh. Well, uh, yeah, it, 
I thought it was on a different one, and that's, I think, says most of what we need to hear about it. I do think it's good, but it's not that good. No, no. I mean, it, once it, it, again, they're covering soul singers that are so much yeah, better than them. Exactly. Like, at this point, like, just I think, yeah. write Satisfaction and do that, you know? Don't, don't do the R&B right. shit. All right. Right. The Under Assistant West Coast. I really, really like this song. <laughs> um, mostly, I think it's just taking me so much by surprise that the Stones have a sense of humor. I don't know why yeah. that's strange to me, but... the uh, Maybe one of the longest titles in the Rolling Stones stable. One of the longest titles in rock history, man. Um... I also I love Mick's voice on it. I like the jangliness of it, um, and I like the sense of humor. The idea that they were recording at some studio and would <laughs> make fun of probably to his face one of the record promo guys who had to hang around the whole time while they were recording, and they probably bullied him incessantly and then wrote a song about it in front of him to record, and it somehow yeah. just makes me smile every time. It's much like the Pearl Jam song, Elderly Woman Behind the Counter in a Small Town, where, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's a very long name, and they just have to be throwing shade at one person. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's also very Beatles-esque to, like, write a mean song about somebody very specific. Yeah. And then, like, I mean, this wasn't a hit, like maybe some Beatles songs, but, but like, you know, I don't know, just make it into like this real earworm of a tune where yeah. everyone in the world all of a sudden is jamming out to a song that blasts this guy you don't like. Yeah. I do think that this is a hilarious song, but I don't think that it's that good of a song. I don't know. I Even the harmonica doesn't ruin it for me somehow. Interesting. I like the guitar riff. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in. I do feel like, do you remember after this album came out for like a year on the BBC, there was that sitcom called The Under Assistant West Coast Promotion Man? Yeah. And the weird thing they was tried. they did not use this song as its theme song, which you would think it'd be a shoe in but... The Rolling Stones didn't give them the rights, but Bill starred. Yeah. So... <laughs> Play with fire. Oh, the last one and this one are both credited to the full band, by the way, not Mick and Keith, interestingly. Well, you've okay. got your um, and you've got your this song rules. It's all right. Oh, God. It's we solid. like totally different Stone songs. <laughs> I love this song. When it gets into it right here. Yeah. Similar to the last one, I do like that it's obviously like about someone very specific in their lives that yeah. they've made like somewhat more vague to write a song about. Yeah, um, I mean it's not like the under assistant West Coast Bros man. Not that level of specific. Yeah, but um, I don't know what I don't love about it, but I don't love it. Oh, I love every time when it goes into that. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, it is and definitely a good, good song, for sure. Yeah. I also like that whatever that 
it sounds like a muted tambourine kind of, but with like echo yeah. on it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it sounds like they recorded a tambourine alone in an empty studio, yes. and then added it onto the track and just turned the volume way down. Yeah. Um, this to me sounds like um, what the Doors tried to do for every song, and then never made a song as good as this one. <laughs> It does. It is a little Doorsy. I was trying to think. I thought that too, but I was like, "Is that just because of Light My Fire?" So I'm just purely because no. of the name. I'm thinking of them, or does it actually kind of sound like? No, a you could hear Jim Morrison singing this. I can't do Jim Morrison, but no. But the the one great Doors song, uh, "People Are Strange," which is like an all-time favorite of mine. But I don't think I can listen to any other Doors songs. Of strangers when you're yeah that's a pretty good one uh Spider that podcast the by the way is the doors dads yeah if you want to check in on them so i know that i've spent the last three episodes crapping all over them playing the blues on every album yeah. i really really like this song <laughs> you know the weird thing is i did too and it like I don't know if it just works on this album because it's the one that's like this, but probably. Yeah. Here's what stands out for me, because like I know it has the harmonica. It's just a straight up blues riff. Like I don't. But Mick's vocals are weirdly good, and he does enough melodically to make it kind of catchy to me. Um. And also, he's just he's very Mick on this. Like he's super kind of lecherous and like creepy sounding and i i like it it's good um and like the vocals are like in all the other blues ones they've done the vocals have not been like this present here it's kind of like it's about the vocals and it's good yeah it is a very very creepy song oh very yeah let's not gloss over that it's how rapey it is but it's very rapey um, however, I think up until this point, we've not really talked about the lyrics behind their songs. Whereas we were like shitting on the Beach Boys early on because they'd be like, let's get a sack full of burgers and go down to the beach, baby. I mean, the Rolling Stones, I would say mostly it's because none of their lyrics have even been worth commenting on. They haven't been that bad or that good. To really yeah, say I mean, I used to love her, but it's all over now. That's like, yeah. I would say I feel like so far, at least, yeah, their lyric writing is just very, like, they just they get the point Sophomoric. across without, yeah, like they're not giving you any great turns of phrase or any like beautiful poetry, but it's not like terrible enough to laugh at or anything. So. Right. But yeah, I like this one. I just want to hear that solo. Look at that honky-tonk guitar. It's so good. Oh, yeah. She was All right, one more try. Try to make a bar, maybe start a fight. 
your friends don't want to know you They just pass you by So they couldn't be your friends Because they wouldn't lie I like this one too. Would I put I like last on the album? No, not, but it's good. Yeah, it's fine. It's catchy. You know, I actually like it a little. When I was, I wasn't listening that hard to the lyrics except the chorus, and I was like, why is this so like upbeat and positive? But then the more I listen to the lyrics, the more I was like, oh, it's kind of like people being assholes or like ruining their lives. And then them saying like, it's okay, give it another try, which yeah, kind of funny again. Yeah. So I, I don't hate it, but yeah, it's a terrible album closer. It just makes you feel like, oh, really? <laughs> this is what we're closing on? All right. I would have closed on Satisfaction, I think. Just a second time? No, I would have just... <laughs> Done the album. Yeah. yeah. Put it, I would open with it, put it in the middle, put it in the end. You know, we'll get to it with the second album too. I want to say more about it later, but just I want to point out here now the album ordering, the track ordering is crazy on this album. It makes no yeah. sense. Um, which we, we've not really talked about much for The Rolling Stones, but we would we would destroy the Beach Boys on how they would order an album. Um, yeah. Here it's been like fine enough it's like the lyrics it's been fine enough up until a point and like yeah. on this one it's bonkers well here actually on this album and the next album it's the same it's about the same thing which is yeah. so and it all seems like someone just at the record company is ordering the tracks because right. what almost all the songs do is they start out with a upbeat cover like they know how to yeah. do a good first track and then they always put whatever the hit is as the beginning of side B, which is like an old record album thing to do. Yeah. So they do that on everything, on it, like most of the albums so far. And then once they start writing more songs, though, on this album and the next one, they put almost all of the Mick and Keith songs on the back half, which is like, I guess they're thinking it's going to sell better because people want to hear the covers on the first half because they're kind of untested. But... It's also just got to make them feel like shit when like yeah. they're working their ass off writing these songs and then they just put them all on the B side. So yeah. I don't know. Well, and like, I think we talked to the, I don't think they have really an artistic thing that they want to do with their albums at any certain point. No. Yet. I think later I, on yeah. they get into it, but well, and I think, you know, it's a whole thing like, Pet Sounds was the first, you know. Right. Um, but I think, yeah, I think up until this point, it was just studio execs being like, oh, yeah, that one. And it, yeah. it does not make for a good album. Well, because, like, their cover of Good Times is not yeah. better than, like, even their worst original on the B-side. And so it's, yeah. like, it, yeah, it really makes no sense when you actually hear the music, but kind of looks like someone ordered it without actually listening to the album which probably happened yeah uh do you want to give this out of our heads a rating pj i don't actually want to give it a rating um because Damn, i right. think well i will give it a rating but it's gonna be oh, tough okay. i was like this is unprecedented <laughs> yeah i'm no i'm I, good uh, i can go first if that helps you if, yeah, because so my ordeal is that all of the originals on it I liked and yeah 
there was a cover or two that I liked as well. But then the other covers are bad. Like, yes, offensively bad. Here's my problem with this album is that, and I, I'm starting to feel like I'm nitpicking <laughs> with the stones. Yeah. Um, it's a like, early I enjoyed almost every song on this album, but I like listened to this album several times in a row over a few days. And I just like it, felt like every time i started it it was over before i realized it was like it was going to be over and then i was just like never that excited to turn it back on like it it really didn't feel i don't know like album e to me which i know none of these really are but for some reason more so than previous ones it just like didn't catch me as as a group of songs um even though, like, when we listen through it track by track, it's like, I like most of the songs. Yeah. But, I don't know. And I think I want to judge it based on the quality of the songs as opposed to how the album is altogether. Because there's not a sure. lot of albums at this point in time, like 1965 and before, that do make sense as an album, you know? Yeah. So what, I think what I'm giving it? it a six. I think I'm going to give it a, I was going to say six, but now like <laughs> I'm thinking seven. If it helps, I was thinking six was a little high for me, but I don't want to just be a mean to it. Just cause like I, it's I, actually, I given, it is very good. Yeah. I've like, given one of their albums album. before um, a five. So I think it would be doing them dirty to give this one a six. This is a seven. All right. I think I can say that. All right. I mean, like, it's weird because it's, it's definitely their best one yet. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't feel like I would like want to listen to this one any more than any of the other albums. Kind of. Yeah. Like I we're mean, still not at a point. Also pretty good. We're still not at a point with the Rolling Stones where I'm like, excited about any of these albums as an album basically which again yeah i know they're all just kind of random song collections but still even random song collections can be really good and can make good yeah. albums sometimes yeah so. yeah okay you want to get to december's right. children and yes everybody's. december's children and everybody's. all right this came out in december 65 it's again about half covers half originals uh this is almost the last compilation style album in the u.s i think there i think there's one more that's going to come out in 1966 and then we're fully on the mick and keith train from there on out okay um and this one was really released only because out of our heads was such a huge hit and then they had another hit single get off of my cloud later that year so i think london just wanted to you know make all the money they could yeah. This one, even more than the others, is regarded by the Stones as a like pretty, uh, just Cash a collection crappy. of random tunes and like, yep. uh, in like album by album books, it usually gets the kind of shortest or the least attention paid to it. Um, okay. So, mostly made up of songs that were recorded and released on the UK version of Out of Our Heads, uh, and then or like outtakes from from those sessions okay lug came up with the title 
as his little his own personal little joke on uh beat poetry explain it please i think it's just supposed to sound like a beat like poetry so he oh. thought it would be funny oh that's funny oh. and pj if that got you which i can tell it did it'll make it even funnier that on the sleeve instead of crediting for some reason they credited the album title which i've <laughs> never heard of before but this is how good this joke was they had to take it a step further uh they credited the album title to lou folk rock adler oh oh that's funny i know it really all clicks when you hear the whole thing um and then just to keep the uh photo incest going on uh the cover photo for december's children was the uk cover for out of our heads <laughs> so <laughs> take a fucking picture guys i know uh this album went to number four in the u.s and then get off my cloud was their second uh number one single in the u.s as it rightfully should be so let's jump into it all right she said yeah weirdly short song here it's like a minute and a half to kick off the yeah. album it's very punk rock apparently a Chaz bono cover bizarre yeah i have no idea what the original sounds like but yeah i can't imagine it, it sounds like this wait Chaz bono yeah like sunny and shares um now wait that can't be right wait no 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 i'm an idiot yeah, Sonny Bono. Sonny, okay, Chaz Bono is their brain freeze. Yeah, son. I was gonna say at at this time, I don't think they were born, and they were also not yeah. going by Chaz Bono at that time. Yeah, I'm a real. Uh, yeah. Okay. This is punk rock as hell, and I love it. And I kind of like that it's just super short. Like it's very yeah. weird for the time, especially to do yeah. this kind of thing. Yeah, great, great album opening. Yeah, I like it quite a bit. I would skip it, but there's only like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first time Decent their backing, backing vocals, vocals have been good. Yeah. yeah. Talking about you. Another Chuck Berry cover. Yeah. The bass on this song is good. Yeah, they got a real... Um... Peter Gunn thing going on. Took you a long time to think of Peter Gunn. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. It's not... I'm... It's not as bad as any of the R&B covers on the last album, but it's not as good as their good cover. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Chuck Berry cover is about all you can say about it. All right. You better move on. Wow. This is apparently from their EP that was released in the UK in 1964, like their first yeah. release ever. 
That's weird because it sounds like it belongs on this album. <laughs> Is that sarcasm? That was sarcasm, yeah. It's not very good. No. Well, and that makes more sense that it was on their first ever thing that came out. Yeah, it's weird how sometimes when they do that, the songs weirdly fit in. Like, I think yeah. on um, not 12 by 5 whatever, the one in the last episode we talked about, there was a song like that that yeah. sounded like it could have been recorded in 1965. And then songs like this, where it's clearly very clearly not of the time yeah um, it's not good look what you've done muddy waters cover yeah was this one of the chess uh, recordings that they just threw on this (laughs) yes (laughs) you got that exactly right How nerdy is it that they uh, went to Chess Records, where Muddy Waters like famously recorded all this stuff and like got his big break, and they were like, "We're gonna sing one of your songs to you." Yeah. Very nerdy. Yeah. I cannot imagine covering somebody's song in front of them, especially Muddy Waters. And he was um, nice about it. He was yeah. like, "Good job, guys. That's kind of flattering." Hey, thanks. You named your band after one of my songs, apparently. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean it's a Muddy Waters cover. Yeah, not, not my fave. The singer, not the song. Um, this was apparently the B side to get off in my cloud. It's a Mick and Keith original. It's and not it's a good B-side to gotta get Gotta be one of their worst yet. It sounds like two songs that they're playing over top each other. It's so bad. It's really not it's good. really bad. Yeah. Oh, so this is what Sounds I like a Chad and Jeremy song, man. It sounds like they heard the Beatles and they were like, yeah, we're gonna do that. And then they sucked at doing that. But they recorded it anyway. Yeah. What song? It sounds like a very specific Beatles song. At certain points. Um, um, I don't know, but I'm realizing this is a rough first half to this album. I did not realize when I was listening to the full thing together, but oh boy. This this is just a a Beatles song that's bad. Yeah. It's an awful song, and I don't want to hear the Rolling Stones try to be the Beatles. You know. Well, let's get to Route 66. Route 66 live. Hell yeah. Surprisingly well recorded with all the crowd noise going on. Yeah. It's good. Like I said, the live aspect and like their energy live really works for them. Yeah. That is Yeah, weirdly well recorded for a live song in 65. For sure. 
And we, we have already heard this song, but a not live version of it. And this is far superior. Yeah, it's good. Do you want me to go to the next song? You're just not saying much. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> get off of my cloud. Okay, so get off of my cloud right after a live song sounds like yeah. it's recorded live to me. I could hear that. It sounds also, really live. Um, this is, once again, one of the greatest songs of all time. This song rules. It's I very good. It. Yeah. Um, I like it quite appar- a bit. Apparently, a lot of people think that Avril Lavigne took uh, the song Boyfriend off this. Hey, hey, you, you, I want to be your boyfriend. Oh. Uh, yeah. Probably. Oh, it's so good, though. Someone should ask Nick and Keith about that. I also, maybe stupidly, maybe not, but did not really know that this was a Nick and Keith original, which, like, good job, guys. Oh, yeah. They can See, write I thought, really good songs. I thought this was much later in their career than it was. Because it's Yeah, good. like, I think their best song yet. Oh, for sure their best song yet. And this, I think Satisfaction, because Satisfaction came out the same year, gets a little bit more... Um, like traction and like people talking about it more it's more famous but this song right. is way better yeah yeah like this song as a song satisfactions you know it's got the riff yeah but this is I, I would say a better song yeah. oh, it's such a good song it's such a hey. good song when you play it on Spotify, it has the little video thing that plays behind it. That's how you know it's a really good song. Yeah. So you know God, it's a I, I hate when they do that. Yeah, I wish you so could dumb. turn it off. I don't know if you can. Uh, if you know how to turn that off, please email beachboysboys at gmail.com. <laughs> with very now we're just 50-year-old men asking our our nephews to email us yeah. when they know how to fix something <laughs> on our computers. That's beachboysboys at altavista.org. <laughs> Yeah, I like. I don't think I can emphasize how much I love this song. It's, it's one of my favorite song? songs. Let's see. I want to see if their Wikipedia page says anything about it being recorded live. Such a good song. I'm free. I also did not know that they wrote this song. This is a classic commercial song. Oh yeah, I feel like it's in every like Volkswagen and Coca-Cola commercial. Yeah, but I don't think a Rolling Stones version has been in. No, it's always a cover. Yeah, that's probably because the uh, whoever owns the rights to it licensed out the song but not this version of it right yeah but it's good like it's still it sounds like the stones but mellow which they don't i don't think they've pulled off yet it sounds like the whole summer of love mixed with the rolling stones thing as tears go by um hey speaking of like 
1967 or whatever, this song sounds very like flower powery to me. Yeah, this is very like hate Ashbury kind of. Right. Yes. Which is honestly really weird in 1965. Like. Yeah, it's early. It's just a weird bridge where I wonder if they're just like copying early folk artists, and then, yeah. you know, I don't know. But be. especially with the strings happening, but I I don't like it. But it's interesting because it really sounds like it should have come out in like 1966 or seven. I mean, yeah, this sounds like a Mamas and the Papas song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very weird. I also don't like it very much. Gotta get away. I actually kind of like this song. There's another song called Gotta Get Away that is far better than this. There's a what? There's another song with the same name, Gotta Get Away, that oh. is way better than this. Yeah. yeah. But I like this one, but Key or Mick, I mean, just sounds like he's not trying that hard when he's singing. Like... His voice just doesn't sound that great to me. Sounds a little oh. thin. I don't really hear that. But I like it. I like, I like this, this song, song though. Here's another thing though. It's called Gotta Get Away, and he says got to get away every time. These guys, man. You gotta, gotta figure this shit out. How are you ever gonna get famous with this kind of stuff going on? Blue turns to green. Blue turns to gray. This one, once again, sounds very like 1967, 68. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Folk rock to me. It's really weird. It's not great. No. Also, is this their fourth? I think this is the fourth breakup song in a row. And it's their fourth original in a row. Like, they only write breakup songs now, apparently. Yeah. Because I'm free, uh, as tears go by, gotta get away. Where their harmonies are decent. They're not good. And they're wasting they're it on this shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm moving on, live. Yeah. Very weird to end the album. It's like they didn't know what to do at the end of the album, so they just chose this. Yeah. Um, Once again, a live song that really works for them. Yeah, I, I like hearing them playing live. Man. It's yeah. interesting. Which means we probably got to do their live EP that came out around this time. Got to oh, do an yeah. episode on that. Hell yeah, dude. Um, the the slide guitar on this is really, really good. Yeah. It is. Which the slide guitar, uh, I'm pretty sure has to be Keith, because I'm pretty sure it said Brian was playing harmonica on the uh, Interesting. Wikipedia, really good. but we'll see if it's, Yeah. I don't know, that might not be accurate. The tone is really nice. Yeah. yeah. And this is a far better album closer than their last uh, album. Yeah, I, uh, 
Yeah, so just like the the last one, they front-loaded all the covers and put all their originals right. on the back. And like once again, it's like if they had gone every other one, it would have been a much more interesting album to listen to, yeah. I think. But yeah, not not definitely not as good as Out of Our Heads. No. But, but not the worst album we've heard yet. Crazily, I mean, aside from like the whole first half just being nothing, yeah. I kind of feel like this album felt a little more like something to me, which is even yeah. crazier that it's like the one that they feel like is not a real album. But I mean, I guess the back half is mostly what like yeah, the back half is very. Like it's all originals and stuff, um, so it's just strange yeah. that I don't know. It, it's not a very good back half, honestly. No. Well, I think their of... originals would have sounded better if they had been interspersed with the covers, but like all back right. to back, then it's like because all back to back to back, it just makes me go like all these songs sound the same, and they're oh wait, yeah. these are all breakup songs. Like it just makes it sound like they don't care. Have a lot of ideas. Yeah. <laughs> too. I think I'm going to give it a, a five. Okay. It's fine. It's nothing. I great. was. I'll give it a five as well. Oh, I think. Man. I, I, I was thinking about giving it a four because it wasn't that interesting of a listen, but get off my cloud. Yeah. That bumps it up a whole point. Maybe a four though. You already said five. It's locked in. Yeah, I mean, we'll go back and mess with those at some point. Yeah. But, yeah, that's so that's 1965, man. We're, and yeah, I think we have one more compilation-ish album, but in 1966, we have their first album of all originals coming out, so. Ooh, all originals. No more covers to deal with. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. Well, PJ? Well, Pete? uh, Fits and starts. I would say for 1965, we see flashes yeah. of them being a great band and then yeah. they'll regress and do a bunch of horrible R&B covers. R&B so. covers. Yeah. Well, these are the first, like we've heard one awful R&B cover before these two albums, right? That's true. They kind of stopped with the blues covers and started yeah. the R&B covers, the R&B. which That's I guess maybe just would just R&B echo. Big. Yeah. Right. Just yeah. echo what's popular. Um, but well, and they, then definitely... they did that Beatlesy one too. So, right. I don't know. They're definitely uh, becoming the Stones. That's it. Yeah, cannot be argued with. Which I mean, the the like there are four great songs that we listen to today. Like great songs. Yeah. Um, and that's awesome to see this early. You know. Yeah. Like what? Three album? Three four albums in? Five. Depends on which country you live in. Yeah, that's a fair point. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm excited to get to the next ones, and uh, yeah, I think yeah. I think that does it for today, PJ. I think this so stone too. is not rolling any longer. It's done rolling. Our our stones, um, on the, there's no moss on it because that doesn't gather any. No. How about, I'll see, I'll see you on the other side of that wave, PJ. <laughs> I'll see you on the other side of that wave, Pete. Just gotta go back to the ones that work sometimes. 